0: welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. this series because we play that video every week. How many of you have thought about adopting or buying a dog since you've been seeing this? Guys, we're doing this series because there's an obvious deficit in in loyalty in our culture. Uh, It crosses almost every spectrum of life you could think about. And that's what we've been trying to address in, in the series. For the last few weeks, we slowed down a little bit to talk about partnerships uh, and then we'll be moving on uh, in, in a couple of weeks uh, after that to a little bit different theme. And we got about two weeks on the other side of uh, next week. I think next week, by the way, let me put a plug in for this. Uh, we're going to do a, a focus on our Operation Christmas Child. Uh, it will be a, a pack-in Sunday. We're going to meet in here, both services. Maybe 10 minutes or so, and then we'll be going upstairs to actually do some ministry upstairs as we pack shoe boxes where you've been bringing items in uh, for months now. Now, me having said that, listen up closely. That does not mean it's your Sunday to take off because we've got a lot of work to do uh, next Sunday. So please, please, please show up uh, next Sunday. We started talking about uh, being loyal in, in the partnership of uh, our friends, uh, being loyal with our friends. Uh, we talked about being loyal in our marriage. We talked about uh, also being loyal with our, our children, or our family. Uh, today we're going to deal with a topic that you, you may not like. You know, it might be a little bit uncomfortable. Some of you may not have ever heard a whole message about being uh, loyal in employment. Uh, practice in loyalty in and, and employment, but it's uh it's something that we really, really need to focus on. I think, you see, we live in a culture, I think, where many people think, well, I only go to work so I can draw a paycheck just so I can, you know, b- buy some toys or b- pay my bills. And, and, and so why do I need to worry about being loyal to my employer if it's just about going and drawing a paycheck and, and kind of living my life? We well, see from the Bible standpoint, there's a whole lot higher value for you and I as Christians when it comes to our employment than just drawing a paycheck. It's about a whole lot more than just that. And maybe you've never been told that before. I recognize we live in a, a time uh, in our culture to where you'll have uh, strikes or, or stay-at-home days trying to communicate uh, you know, maybe a displeasure or whatever to an employer. Uh, we live in a time to where people will take uh, advantage of their employers, but maybe not uh, faithfully working and, and accomplishing everything they could, being fully engaged in, in their job. We, we live in a time in, uh, to where you know sometimes uh, angry employees uh, will sabotage their work, thinking, "Well, I'm getting back at my supervisor. I'm getting back at my boss because I'm I'm sabotaging what I'm I'm doing." We regretfully live in a time to where sometimes uh employees disgruntled employees or angry employees or former employees walk into places of business with weapons and they injure people or they take the lives of of people now i recognize this also guys not all the employers are what they ought to be too amen now let me stop and say something i hope this scenario has not happened but if, if you have invited your employer, if you're an employer and, and your employee invited you to come to church today and you showed up, they had no idea what I'm saying, okay? They're not trying to sign you. That's, a, that, that's not what the, the message is about. But uh, we're going to talk to Christian employees, what the Bible has to say, and also Christian employers. And a lot of the context, because of the scriptures we're going to deal with we, we, we've used some, I've used some passages of scripture that deal with masters and slaves. But if God would tell a master and a slave, you need to have this attitude. You need to have, practice these principles as you work. If he would tell that to a slave, surely we who are free can still apply some of these same principles in our lives and help us be the, the, the best employees or the best employers that we can possibly be. I was going to read, we lost a little bit of time today in the service, so I was going to read Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 25. Uh, You can read that later. I'm just going to talk through a couple of things uh, real quick instead of taking time to read that or we can get in the main part of the message. Then this passage of scripture sets a context kind of for everything we've been talking about. Because it talks about being humble, it talks about love, and, and you know, uh, seeking peace with people, and uh, really the things that you need to apply to your friends, the things you need to apply to your marriage, the things you need to apply in your family, to your children. But we'll see today having those kinds of attitudes also will help us with... A, with, with our jobs, with us being the best employees that we should be. And the strategic verses that I was going to read from the passage Scripture will be... And, and our outline is, as we go through our outline. Do you want to point out that in the third point, there's a typo in your bulletin. It's right on the screen, so you may need to correct something uh, in your bulletin. My fault, because somehow when I saved the document and sent it to Brandy to fix the keynote, it, it duplicated something that it, that it should not have, and it's duplicated uh, there in your bulletin. So I wanted to throw that out before you got confused when, when you get to that point. So today, uh, let, let's consider employment from a biblical and Christian viewpoint. As Christians, we should be loyal in employment and practicing loyalty in our work ought to be something positive for us. It shouldn't be negative. I'm afraid many people will think, well, you know, me being loyal and and, and me being all I can be on my job, I I don't like that idea. That's a negative thing. But but I think today you can go away understanding it is a positive thing if you're a Christian when you apply what the Bible says to your employment. So, first thing this morning is this: Let, let's consider what the Bible says to slaves, and, and let's apply that today in our context to employment. Some of you might have felt like you're a slave at work before. You ever felt like that? I, hey, you can be the employer and feel like you're a slave to your job. <laughs> you, you know, you, you can own your own business and and wind up feeling like you're a, you're a slave to it. Well, in, in our culture, we don't have literal. Slaves, not in in our culture here in America, but there's some important truths I think the Bible gives in that direction that we ought to be able to apply toward our jobs as employees or employers, either one. To begin with, to consider what the Bible says to slaves and apply to our employment today is this. We need to think about obedience with purpose. Obedience with purpose. There's a reason why you ought to be obedient to your employer. There's a purpose behind it—a higher purpose than just you doing what your boss tells you to do. Now the Bible says this in in Colossians chapter three, verse twenty-two, and and uh, this is one of the verses we would have read had I read the whole passage. It, It says, "Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord." And that's in the ESV. The, the NIV puts it like this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So some words that were used there in the, in the regional uh, language, the regional Greek, obeys a similar word we saw last week about children and parents. It means to hear under. It is more or less you have a submissive attitude because of the position. That's your employer and you're the employee. Then, then there's this expectation of you to hear under what they're saying. Uh, earthly masters means according to the flesh. But the exact same word, this is kind of interesting, the exact same word for earthly masters is the same word that refers to Jesus or God as your master. So maybe there's some type of interconnection there that I'll hopefully address in just a, just a moment. It says not to do it by way of eye service, and that's kind of a qualified negative, and it means literally sight labor. In other words, don't be the kind of employee that needs somebody watching you all the time. You know, don't be the kind of employee that somebody has to micromanage everything that you're doing. From a Christian standpoint, you need to be the kind of employee that you're going to be faithful and do your job, whether your boss is standing there and watching you or not. Because of of your relationship to Christ, you need to be the best employee that you can possibly be. And he said, don't do it to be a people pleaser. And uh, kind of an interesting definition there, It literally means man courting. So guys, listen up. How many of you, no, I'm, I'm talking about the men only here, just start with. Ladies, you get a rest for a second. How many of you men want to court a man? Okay. Somebody raised their... <laughs> <laughs> If somebody, if somebody raised their hand, I need to do some counseling with you, okay? But that i to give you a really negative connotation about what it's talking about here. Don't do your job from a standpoint of, of just only when your boss is watching and you're only doing it trying to be a people pleaser. Yeah, you know, It's not like you're trying to court your boss or something. You need to literally really be doing your job, as it says here, with sincerity of heart, fear in the Lord. It means other things. Hey, but other things in a fixed position, have a singleness or sincerity in your heart. Not be Uh, self-seeking. The very center of your being, you need to to have this sincerity in your heart when it comes to your employment. Because you're fearing, you're, you're, you're giving awe, you're giving reverence to God, who's the supreme divinity. In other words, guys, to boil all that down... For, for us as Christians, we ought to have a higher reason to be good employees than non-believers. We, we ought to have a higher motive to hear under and, and listen with obedience to what our employers are wanting us to do. We, we ought to recognize maybe there's some kind of connection here between their authority over us and the authority of Christ over our lives because he's our ultimate master. As Christians, we shouldn't just do well when we know the boss is watching you know, if you're working, you've been goofing off, and, and maybe it's in a factory or whatever context, and then you see the boss walking through, well, I better get busy. <laughs> that shouldn't be the way we are as Christian believers. We, we should not get busy just because all of a sudden we see the boss is watching. And see, here's the reason why for us as believers. Guess who our true boss is? Our true boss is God. And our true boss sees all the time, Amen. He doesn't just see you like your boss does when he comes walking through the plant or walking through the office or wherever you're working at. God sees you all the time. And says we're going to see a lot of instructions here for us as Christians about our employment and how we ought to have a certain attitude and certain actions in our employment. We need to recognize God sees us all the time. So that means we need to try and be the best employee we can be all the time, not just when somebody's watching us. Not just when they have their eyes on us. We've got a higher motive than just pleasing men in the context of our work ethic. We have the opportunity. Think about it like this. We have the opportunity through our work ethic and performance. To honor God through our employment. And if you would wrap your mind around that, instead of being so discouraged and frustrated, man, it's the weekend's over, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Instead of having that kind of attitude, look at it as though you're going there to represent Christ. You're going there to represent God. And that can completely change the way you view your employment. Also, I want you to think about subjection with respect. Not just obedience, but... This obedience with a purpose, but subjection or submissiveness—you could say—with respect. First Peter two eighteen says, "Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, because that's kind of easy if you got boss treating you good all the time, right? But also to the unjust." You need to be subject. You, you're, you're a subordinate. You need to figure that out. There's a reason why you're not the employer, and that person is, and you're the employee, at least at this point in your life. So by you taking that job, you're a subordinate to that individual. And you need to consider that as you work for them. Be subjective to your to your masters. Uh the use of the word that can mean absolute ruler. Do so with all respect, with all, all fear or alarm or, or kind of like reverence. And he says, not just the good, but also the unjust. And the word for unjust means warped, winding, perverse, or crooked. So, as believers, we ought to respond to our employees with subjection. We ought to willingly be subordinating ourselves to them concerning our employment concerning our jobs. And and I know this is speaking of service of masters, but I said earlier, if these principles apply to someone that is not free, how much more, Hey, we've been set free in Christ, but we're also free in this nation. We ought to be willing and able to take some of these same principles and use them in the attitude that we have in our jobs, the attitude that we have toward our employers. You see, here's why, because it said, even if it's a bad employer, some of you might have wanted to say under your breath when I said unjust, talking about an unjust employer, it means warped, whining, perverse, and crooked. Some of you probably think, hey, I work for that one. <laughs> that one that I'm working for, he's a little bit warped. She's a little bit off, she's a little bit warped, she's a little bit, you know, perverse, a little bit, a little bit crooked in her life. Well, so why in the world would, would you need to have the right kind of attitude as a Christian employer, even if you've got a, a employee, even if you've got a bad employer? Here's why. Who knows if God may just use your attitude and your actions to change that employer's life. Amen? Who knows, even though he's perverse and he, even though he's, he, he's tough and he's hard to work with, who knows, though, if you maintain the right type of Christian attitude at work when everybody else is maybe giving him a difficult time because of the way he is. But if you respond differently, sooner or later, that's going to catch his or her attention. It's going to make them wonder, why in the world are you different than the rest of them? And it might open up the door for you to get that person to Jesus and not only change their life, but change their eternity. And you may have a, a Christian boss who's got off base. He's got off the path. He, he, he's not following the Lord like he needs to. And, and he's being a little bit harsh with you and everything like that. Hey, still have the right kind of attitude. Have the right kind of Christian attitude toward him. And maybe you'll get him back on the path. Maybe God will use your Christian witness at work to prick his conscience so we can show respect to them and maybe them see that and, and change your lives. Now let me give you a, a, an aside to that, okay? Listen carefully. The scripture is not, and neither am I, advocating that you enter into illegal, unethical practices of an employer. And, and if that's what your job is causing you to do, if that person can't change, you probably need to change your job. You need to change your employer. Light and darkness doesn't need to be you know, yoked together. That applies more than just things like marriage, guys. And, and if your job is leading you to do unethical things because of your employer, it's probably time to pray and say, God, either change them or change my location and change my job. Second main thing I want you to get today is this. Consider what the Bible says, not just about uh, slaves and apply that to employment, but consider what the Bible says your focus and goals should be in your employment. As a Christian, there should be a a particular focus you have and some goals that you have in your employment. And this focus part especially, if you can grab hold of that, it goes back to what I said a moment ago. It can revolutionize. It can radically change the way you look at your job, the way you look at your boss, the way you look at your employment, if you'll understand this. The focus that you ought to have as a believer, the focus is this. You need to focus that you're ultimately working for Christ. That's really ultimately who you're working for. It's not just about your employment. It's not about your paycheck. It's not just about your employer. If you're a Christian, you need to understand that you're ultimately working for Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in work or deed, in, in word or deed, in what you say or the things that you're doing, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians three, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for yourself. Is that what it says? We work heartily, as for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, and you are serving the Lord. Christ. See, only what you need to view your job as is a Christian. Your, your job is kind of what you do, it's not who you are. Who, who you are as a Christian, who you are if you know Christ as your Savior, you're a child of God. And that needs to carry over into your work or whatever else you're doing. You're a child of God. You, yes, you have locations to where you go and you, you earn a paycheck. But that's not the ultimate thing about being there. You need to view as you go to work that you are there to represent the kingdom of God. You're there to represent Christ. That is ultimately your focus. You're working for Jesus, not your boss, because he's going to be mean sometimes. Amen? He's going to be difficult sometimes. That's not what your work needs to be focused on. As a believer, you need to look higher and above all the junk that you have to deal with and say, I'm ultimately working for Jesus. And if we could have that focus, it would radically, kind of change the way we view our employment. And it says we need to do this with thanksgiving through Jesus. And whatever you're doing, thank Jesus for it. Thank Jesus for the job that you have. Whatever you're doing, give it your best. With the attitude you're doing it for Jesus and not just for men. We we need to perform in such a way, not reluctantly, not with hesitation or feelings of personal loss. But we need to perform in such a way because we know that we're doing it for Jesus. And this Bible even gave us a promise. That verse gave us a promise a minute ago. That we can look ahead and understand we're going to have an inheritance from Jesus that he's going to give us. If you're working somewhere and you think, man, I just want to of a pension plan or of a retirement plan where I work at. They're really being cheap. They're not taking care of me. Don't stay focused on that so much. All that is going to make you more frustrated. What you need to do is look higher as a believer and understand this. Even if you work 30 years for the same boss, 30 years for the same company, that's a little blip in light of eternity. Jesus will have all eternity to give you the inheritance, not because of the menial work you did, but because you did the menial work with a focus upon Him, that you're doing it ultimately working for Jesus. Does that make sense? Don't you think you've got to change your attitude about work? If you remind yourself, I'm ultimately working for Christ. That's the focus that we need to have, but there's some goals we need to have also as Christian employees the goals of working as a god sensitive you want to use different terminology you could say working as a christ-centered or a christ-honoring employee and, and guys in this section i don't have time to give a, a lot of exposition i didn't plan on it anyway but i'm going to kind of give you several passages of scripture some verses i'm going to read through and just make a, a a main comment maybe a couple of other comments here and there The goals of working as a God-sensitive employee. The first one is this. You should be kingdom of God-minded. Kingdom of God-minded, not just focused on your own kingdom. That includes your job. Now, if I read the whole passage here, it's set more of a context. But here Jesus said this in Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. There's, there's a friction there that takes place. Your focus needs to be more about God and his kingdom than, than it is what you earn and what you're making. You need to remember who you're working for. You're working for Jesus. You need to be more kingdom-minded then you are focused on your own kingdom. Second goal is this, and this is going to sound like it's an antithesis to what we're talking about, but you need to take time to rest instead of burning the candle at both ends and chasing the almighty dollar. Exodus, we're told this in the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Now, the Jews took that and turned it into a pretty legalistic type thing. Jesus said this, though, in Mark chapter 2, 27 and 28. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not the man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, when God said don't work, when God said take a Sabbath, when God said rest, when God said take some time off, it wasn't some legalistic rule, some legalistic religious rule. He said it was made for you. He's your creator. He knows the way he made you. He knows the way he's wired you. And you can't just keep going 24-7 all the time. It's actually a healthy thing for you to take time to play, for you to take time to rest. And something that if you're going through the making space study that several of, of us are uh, in, in, in a part there that we were looking at talking about the Sabbath and talking about rest, we need to have this mentality even maybe when we can't take the day off or when we're in the middle of frustration or whatever it is. You and I need to remember this. Jesus is my Sabbath. And I can have the mentality and the thought process that I'm resting in Him even though I'm going through all kinds of junk in my life. Another goal that we ought to have as, as Christian employees is this. <laughs> you might not believe all this is in two verses. But it is. And I'll read it to you in a moment. You need to work with your hands. need to mind your own affairs. In other words, mind your own business. Thus protecting your testimony. And keeping you from being dependent upon outsiders. Now, now look at two verses, verse 11 and 12, 1 Thessalonians 4. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Now this is one of the scriptures I'm going to unpack just a little bit because I think it's pretty significant. We need to aspire To live quietly. We need to mind our own affairs. Hey, everyone listen for a minute. Nobody, including God, likes a busybody. And you're not going to have a quiet type life if all you're doing is running around sticking your nose in everybody else's business. Fellow employees don't like it at work. Your employer doesn't like it at work. People in your neighborhood don't like it where you live at. If all you are is being a busybody, sticking your nose in somebody else's business, you won't have a quiet existence because all you're doing is stirring up trouble all the time, and you're going to get to the point that nobody likes you. (laughs) Just what in the Bible? And it says to work with your hands. Because you see, we don't need to be the type of believers, the type of Christians that, that, that bum off of everybody, for lack of a better term. We, we need to be setting an, an example. See, even by your work and by your work ethic, you, you're maintaining a testimony before a lost world. He said, we instructed you to do that. He said, so that you may walk properly before outsiders. The reason you don't need to be a busybody, the reason you need to work with your hands, is so people can look at your life, the outsiders, the unbelievers, and they can see that Christ has done something in your life that makes you different than the rest of the world. And you're dependent upon no one because of your work ethic and because of what? The attitude that God's given you. Next goal is this. You need to realize your job is an opportunity to do something for Jesus. It's an opportunity to shine for Jesus. Bible says this in Matthew 5. In, in the same way, Jesus is talking in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Now, that applies not just to your job. That applies to all avenues of your life. We ought to be walking around in life trying to let our light shine for Jesus. But that also does include your work. When, when you go to work, look at it not as something negative. Look at it in this light, that you have an opportunity to be a light in a dark place, that you have an opportunity to shine for Jesus even when you're at your job. Another goal is this. You need to commit your work to God. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Hey, it's not just your plans. It needs to be his plans. And if you're worrying about, you know, where to work and how to work and how to do your job, ask him. Lay it before him. Come before him and ask God's guidance and ask ask him to to bless your work. And and the last goal, guys, this isn't exhaustive. I'm just trying to give you a sample. I hope I'm giving you enough of a sample. You understand, as an employee, you as a Christian, you need to be a different kind of employee than the rest of the world. The last goal was this you need to work like an ant and avoid being viewed as a sluggard, which is another term we use for snail, even in our culture. Go to the ant, a sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Guys, you've watched ants before. I, I don't know what's been going on this summer right outside our front door, and that's where I go to take our dogs out and, and everything. There are ants out there all the time. I could try and stomp them for an hour, and there's still going to be ants out there coming, and they're feverishly working. And you've probably seen this before. A little ant come through, and it's carrying something three times its size. You ever seen that? And, and they're hard at work in, in, in what they're doing. And, and that's the way we need to be in our employment. Not just about our our employers, not just about our job, but it's about who we are as believers. We need to have that type of mentality when it comes to work. Proverbs thirteen four says this, The soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Third, Main thing I want you to get this morning as we talk about loyalty to employment is is this. And guys, here's where it shifts gears. And and that is we also ought to consider how the Bible says employers should treat their employees. Up to this point, I've just kind of been talking to employees, but if you're an employer, if you're a CEO, if you're a boss in some way, if you own a company or whatever, and I know I'm using text here once again that talks about masters and slaves, but I think there's application For employment. The employer, if a Christian. Now please factor that in, everything I've been saying this morning. These principles we've been talking about are for Christians, they're for believers. You can't expect a lost person to act like a saved person because they don't have the Holy Spirit and they don't have the same desire, they don't have the willingness, they don't even read the Bible and know they're supposed to do it. An employer for Christian has a master; the employer needs to honor. In Colossians chapter four, verse one, it says, "Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven." In, in other words, your boss, if he or she's a Christian, has a much bigger boss. Your are An employer, if you're an employer, you need to recognize something. God's will is more important than the will of your boardroom. Well, what God says is right and what God says you need to do and the the kind of attitude you you need to have. Treating people justly and, and, and fairly. Remembering this, that the one that's over you because you're a believer... It's is bigger than your boardroom. It's is bigger than your bottom line. It's bigger than you. You have God in heaven who's also your master. He's your boss. So as an employer, you've got a, a reason to treat your employees right. And here's where the typo is in your, in your updates, but it's right on the screen. The employer also needs to do this. The employer needs to provide the needed support and resources for the employees. Think about how stupid it is not to do that. <laughs> and I'm going to read the passage of Scripture, and if you're looking at the passage Scripture while I'm talking, you're going to say, well, but that's talking about elders or you know, preachers, and you know, especially in preaching the Word and things like that, how they don't need to be muzzled and all. That, that's the immediate context, but I think there's a broader context that, that we need to apply just to employment in general. How, how ignorant it is for you, would it be for you to hire someone and you hire them to do the job, and then you don't give them the the equipment they need to do the job. You don't give them the instructions they need to do the job. You you don't give them the support they need financially to where they really enjoy working for you, and they want to keep their job. See, so here's the the downfall in to try and get by doing things as cheaply as you possibly can when it comes to an employer and employee relationship if you want to have a good employee you need to resource them correctly you need to provide them the training and the equipment they need and even the finances they need because if you're not doing that that employee's not really tied to you they're just waiting for the next higher paycheck they can find and then you have to back up and start at ground zero again whereas on the other side of the matter if you're treating them right if you're providing them right you're equipping them right you're giving them the right finances, the support they need financially, then you may have someone that can be a faithful worker all their life instead of losing them simply because you're not trying to support them in the right way. The scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. I told you what the context was a minute ago, but in the broader terms, apply that to a Christian employer. Don't muzzle or hinder the strength, the vitality, the desire... Of employees. That, that's your ox. Provide them the support they need and the resources they need to tread out the grain for your business. That laborer deserves wages, so pay that person fairly. Now, up to this point this morning, we've been talking about the job, we've been talking about employment. We're talking about trying to be the, the best employee that you can possibly be. Recognize you're ultimately working for Jesus. You're ultimately working for God. You're ultimately representing Him. That's why you need to best be the best employee you can be. And then we talk some about being the best employer you can be as a Christian also. But I want to tell you, while all those things are important, what I'm about to change gears on and talk about this morning as we move toward an invitation is the most important thing out of everything I'm going to talk about this morning. And, and that is this: you need to consider what the Bible says about Jesus and His work. We're talking about work. Let's finish up talking about Jesus' work. To begin with, Jesus understands what it's like to do physical labor. In Matthew 1355, some people are kind of trying to minimize Jesus by saying this. But I'm using it kind of in a different way. They were saying, well, is, is not this a carpenter's son? In other words, we know where he came from. Well, that's just Joseph's son. And is, is it not his mother called Mary? And, and are not his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas? Understanding understand in that context they're trying to minimize who Jesus was. Well, he, he can't really be the Messiah. But in our context this morning, I want you to understand something. Jesus left heaven. Jesus left streets of gold. Jesus left the right side of the Father. And he came into this world to be abused and sped upon and, and go to the cross for us. But also understand this about Jesus. Since he worked in a carpenter shop, Jesus knew what it was like to do hard work. And guys, that ought to be an encouragement for us. Because when we're wanting to get frustrated, stop and think about this. There's probably times that Jesus was a little bit frustrated when he was working. There's times he had been very tired when he was working. Hebrews tells us he was tempted in every way, just like we are. So it can be an encouragement to us to understand that Jesus knew what hard work was about. The most important thing is this. Jesus accomplished the ultimate work. Jesus accomplished the ultimate work. You being a good Christian employee, that's right. We all do it. You being a Christian employer, yes, we ought to do that. But none of that's possible if you don't understand that Jesus accomplished the ultimate work. John 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is. Is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. You've been around here very long. You know that's one of my favorite phrases in all the Bible. It is finished. And Jesus used the Greek word tetelestai. Which means this. It, it doesn't mean. It does not mean that Jesus is on the cross. And they beat him. And they uh, nailed him to a cross. And, and, and he's bleeding. And, and they've taken his life. And, and now he's saying. Well, alright, so well. I'm going to die. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is this. He's said, I have paid everything necessary. I have fully paid everything necessary for your forgiveness and your salvation. I have accomplished God's plan of redemption. I have accomplished my father's plan of salvation. And in Hebrews 9, verse 11 and 13, the Bible says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, Then through the greater, more perfect tent, not made with hands, that's not like the tabernacle here in the the wilderness we read about in the Bible, not of this creation, look what Jesus did. He entered once for all into the holy places, not on this earth, the most holy place in heaven. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing a part-time redemption. Is that what the Bible says? No. Jesus once and for all secured an eternal, forever, ever, everlasting redemption for us. That's the work that Jesus accomplished upon the cross. He went to the cross. He shed his blood for your sin and for my sin. And he secured for us an eternal redemption. So while today we've talked about employment and you being the best employee you can be, or the best employer you can be, and we should do those things, guys, the very most important thing that I'm going to say all day, that I will ever, probably ever say in my life, that I will repeat as often as I think to repeat it, and that is that Jesus has done everything necessary for your salvation. Your only hope is in Jesus. The only chance you have of forgiveness is Jesus. The only chance you have of God's grace is in Jesus. The only chance you have of eternity in heaven is in Jesus. Jesus finish the work completely for your salvation and you can't be the best employee that you ought to be and you can't be the best employer that you ought to be unless first of all you know Christ is your Savior I know here at the end I've kind of thrown you a a curve how many watched some of the world series this past week And, and I'll Look like some of you are scared to raise your hand. Like, right, is it okay to watch baseball? And, uh, and guys, it, it turned out about the second best for me that it could because, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm a Braves fan. I don't even get a chance to watch any of them much. Uh, I'm just being transparent and honest. When the World Series comes around, i like to watch some of that. Uh, but, um, secondly, I'm kind of like a Red Sox fan. So, I did win this, this past week. But, sorry to you Yankees fans, I'm sorry. But, as I watched it, and when you watch baseball, regardless regards whether it's a World Series or whatever else, one thing that's, that I really like to watch, is because my son used to pitch some and he used to play some baseball, and it's fine to see the home runs and all that, I like to see the really good pitchers that can really, I mean, throw the really bad breaking stuff. I saw some this past week and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, that was nasty. That was wicked. The only way you're going to hit that is by luck, you know? And, and then they'll throw like a, almost hundred mile an hour fastball and then the follow-up with a 70-some mile an hour change-up and, and the batter about breaks his back trying to swing at it. See, it's kind of what I've done this morning to you. I've waited to this part of the service to throw you a curveball. I've waited this part of the service to throw you a change up because we were talking about being the best employee, the best employer, applying those principles to our lives. But guys, the most important thing today is that you know Christ as your Savior. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to be honest and transparent before you this morning. Father, if there's employees here, Christian employees here this morning that are struggling at work, and they're frustrated at work, and maybe they've been failing to be all the employee that they should be. Father, I pray you have given them a new perspective today. I pray they can leave for work tomorrow, and, and they can go with a different with a different spring in their step, that they can go to work looking at it as a chance to serve you, a chance to to be light for you, a a chance to represent you. Father, help them to ultimately understand that they're not working for a man, they're working for Jesus because He's their Savior. Father, I, I know in this size building there are people here that's frustrated with their job and maybe they're angry at their boss or they're upset with somebody they work with or whatever the case is. Father, heal that today and give them the right attitude that they need, that they're ultimately doing what they do for you. Father, I pray for employers today that maybe are worried about their budgets or they're worried about some employees or maybe right now they're feeling guilty because they feel like they've not been been the right example as they need to be to their employees. Father, I pray you would empower employers today to be Jesus to their employees. Father, I pray especially if there's someone here that's lost and they've never trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray this morning they'll trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. For it's in his name we pray. Please stand. If you are a frustrated employee, why not come pray about it this morning? If you're an employer that needs to maybe change some things up in in your life, why not come and pray about it this morning? You could be a wife that's frustrated because the husband is not doing all he needs to do to support the family. So pray for that husband this morning and pray that he will do more. You might be a husband, you're a little bit disappointing the wife and you're thinking she's not really doing everything she needs to do. Pray for her this morning. But most importantly, pray for yourself. Look at your own life. Look at your own heart. And let the Holy Spirit ask you if you really know Christ. And if not, why not come this morning? Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day3Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day3Church, experience a new day in your life.